Hey, One Song listeners, Luxury here. I'm so excited for you to listen to this week's episode. It's a deep dive into the Bad Boy remix of Mariah Carey's Fantasy, featuring an iconic cameo by Old Dirty Bastard. For this episode, Diallo and I were joined by a special guest, singer Durand Bernard. And we had such a great time talking about fantasy with Durand that I realized we didn't really give him a proper introduction. So let's do that now. You might have heard Duran in one of his collabs with Katrinata, Anderson Pack, or Thundercat. Or maybe you saw him live on stage with Erica Badu since he sings in her touring band. Or maybe you saw his incredible performance as a solo artist on NPR's Tiny Desk. That is Duran Bernard, and this is one song. Shout out to U.S. Soy and the United Soy Bean Board for supporting this episode of One Song and for giving our podcast studio an unbelievably smooth, sustainable makeover. Here on our show, we dive deep into the music, dissecting every beat and lyric. Sustainability is just like that. Each eco-friendly choice we make is like a single note that contributes to life's melody. That's why Heartbeat and the USB are teaming up to lead the discussion around greening Hollywood. We're talking slashing the carbon footprint of production with soy-based alternatives like soy-based inks for printing scripts, soy foam for soundproofing studios, and even biodiesel generators to power sets. To see our sustainable studio transformation, watch the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how we pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. My shining straw <laughs> is one song in the house. Los Angeles in the house. New York, are you in the house? A seemingly random collection of geographical locations also in the house. Japan, are you in the house? Sacramento, are you in the house? Atlanta, Georgia, are you in the house? I'm glad he said Atlanta, Georgia, because we may not have known which Atlanta he was talking about. Baby, baby, come on, start one song, start one song. We got luxury in the house. We got Duran in the house. And we got Mariah Carey and the old dirty doggy in the house. And we'll see how this goes. This is one song. <laughs> Now that we've established that everyone is in the house, it's time on one song to talk about a pop masterpiece, a collision of two worlds. You have the pop princess of the 90s. You know, we, we, we already know who this person is. But then we put her with Staten Island's grimiest MC, one of the first stars out of the Wu-Tang Clan. And we've got a song powered by, you know, one of the greatest hooks in, you know, history. It's like a song that, like, if you were a certain age, you heard it on the radio, you've seen it on a TV show. I'm going to stop using hip-hop references, and I'm going to talk about this song. The song is called Fantasy, the Bad Boy Remix, featuring Mariah Carey, an old, dirty bastard. This is Fantasy, and this is one song. comes in it always reminds me of being a dj because as a dj when that vocal comes in like old dirty always got the party hype but when her vocal came in all pristine and perfect like it just sounded different coming out of those speakers it always got the party hype uh but i don't want to get ahead of ourselves luxury tell us what we're talking about 
Well, first of all, Zoran, welcome to the show, my friend. It's nice to see you. I'm glad to, to have you in particular as a guest for this episode. I think it's a perfect match. And I actually got a quick question. You were just humming the intro right there. How many voices, have you ever counted how many different voices and characters and registers and ranges? Mariah's going a lot of places on this song. Like what, from the singer's perspective, since you are yourself an incredible singer, when you hear it, do you, does it sound complicated? What does it sound like to you? What are your feelings as a fellow singer when you hear this song? Mm. That's a big question, I know. Yes. <laughs> First of all, it's good to be seen and not viewed. <laughs> not right now. It might be a little Thank bit of you. both. Just <laughs> know, right? There might be uh, some stuff on Instagram. That part. Uh, and listening now as an adult, Mariah is the female Luther with a whistle register. Wow. Like when you That's really amazing. listen to their choices and how they approach things, it 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 feels it's but it's but it's a lighter texture. Mm. You know, his was velvety, hers is is lighter. And so that that gives a different contrast to it. And I I've always appreciated um her voice. Uh, I like what you're saying because there are few people. Some people have gratuitous runs. We won't. We don't need to name Come the on, names. Gratuitous, <laughs> gratuitous runs. But <laughs> name of a great album, by the way. But uh, but she doesn't like. She really feels like she's like feeling everything. And I can see. I had never thought of it before. I can see the connection to Luther. That's that's that's. Deep. She has also said that she sings her songs the way that she does because she didn't. She didn't want anyone else to sing them. Oh uh, yeah, it's impossible. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I've worked with, I will say as a comedy writer, I've worked with some singers and uh, and it's amazing to me how the degree to which, whether they say it or not, they are trying to make every song their own. They're like, I don't want anybody else to be able to sing this. I feel like it goes back to Stevie. I feel like nobody, it's hard to cover Stevie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, there is so much that I really want us to get into, but I don't want us to get too far off the beaten path. So luxury. Yeah, I mean, I just want to know, Durand, as our guest, what is it about this song that means so much to you? And do you have any sort of stories like the first time you heard it? Like, is there a connection you feel to fantasy? Hmm. Because this song came out in 95. The 95 song. 95. I know for sure because, okay, (laughs) growing up, my mother didn't play a lot of you know, secular music, ah, you know, so it okay. was a lot of jazz and gospel mm-hmm. and whatnot and a little bit of new age in there, you know, that in that shit that you play <laughs> in yoga class, you know, we, we could listen to that. Um, but there were some artists that I was able to sneak into the house, you know, like Janet Jackson was contraband. Waiting to, <laughs> oh, no waiting to exhale, that was contraband, you know, but Mariah would get played on the jazz station. So Mariah was actually cool. So I could listen to Mariah and, and Whitney and Michael Jackson, you know, so. I feel like Visions of Love was like a big song for Mariah, like early on. Like, See, mine was Can't Let Go. <laughs> I can't speak for Visions of Love. I mean, that's really? a great song, but no, Can't Let Go, oh, baby. And when you, oh, just. I need AI to do uh, a, um, a Luther, whatchamacallit, you know, swap yeah. on that song oh, so well. he can hear what it would sound <laughs> oh, like. Oh, Luther were singing. Saying. Him singing, don't let, him mm-hmm. singing, can't let go. You'll be like, ah, oh, that's where it is. I mean, right now, that's the sound of everybody who's listening to this doing exactly that. Diallo, please set the scene for us, if you will. This song is released. It's 1995. Where are you? Where is Diallo Riddle in 1995? Am... And what do you think of Mariah at the time? I'm glad you bring it up. I was in, uh, I just got, I was in college and, uh, you know, that's like a time when you're in college, like nobody can tell you anything about music. If you like music, you feel like, you know, just enough of what happened in the past, but you're like right in the zeitgeist, you know exactly what's going yeah. on in the culture. And, and you got your identity too. You, and got, you got your, your identity. Tribe, tribal and identity. I was firmly implanted in hip hop by this point, you know, growing up, I would like, you know, Michael Jackson and the Pet Shop Boys. But like at this time, like, I was 100% in hip-hop. And 1995, like, Mariah is cool. You know what I mean? Like, nowadays my wife is like, you know, she's of the perfect age where, like, Mariah is like her Michael Jackson, Madonna, just given the age. And so, like, she likes... Uh, you know some of those, some of those Mariah Carey songs that I'm like, Ugh. Like, you know, like because to me that's not what I was trying to hear. Like I was about Mary, I was about Faith, mm-hmm. I was about like you know there were there were R and B you know queens at that time mm-hmm. that like you know you just were impeachable. And I think the most interesting thing about this song that we're talking about today is that when it came out, 
it was like, wait a second, she's got a song with old dirty bastard. Like <laughs> it was, it was, you know, I always say Mary and Meth with uh, "You're All I Need" was like that was like one of the first ones. It, it won a Grammy. Like it was like, oh, this. When SWV did the remix of Anything with Wu-Tang, like, we were like, yo, anything is possible now. So this is the crossover moment between this R&B, is like when it was like, wait, even Mariah is, and apparently her, you know, her husband at the time, Tom and Batola, runs the record label, and he's not happy about this. He's like, you're throwing away all of the pop princess, you know, uh, branding, if you will. He's scared. Was, yeah, he's, he's like, there's no yeah. way this could work. Yeah. But it was Mariah's idea. She was like, I want to do a song with Old Dirty Bastard. In her words, he, he reminds me of the uncle who's drunk at the at the barbecue. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, drunk uncle returns to the show. <laughs> we always bring up these drunk uncles. <laughs> um, and so she was like, I really want it to be him. So it's interesting also from a, let's get really granular on this. <laughs> this is a time when, according to Nas, Wu-Tang and Bad Boy have beef because Wu-Tang feel like they represent where East Coast hip-hop and New York hip-hop is, and they feel like Puffy is ruining it with, you right. know, all the Versace shades and, and talking yeah, about Yeah, that connection, I was curious stuff. about that. I was hoping you'd explain that to Wu-Tang, me. Wu-Tang, Staten Island, grimy, and here comes, you know, Puffy, like, I mean, by, you know, 1995, not to... Is, is, is a seminal year. We talked about this on the show before. It's, it's, it's a very important year in terms of hip-hop. It's the year that the One More Chance remix by Biggie samples DeBarge. First things first, I pop them. Freaks all the honeys, dummies, playboy bunnies, those wanting money. Those the ones I like because they don't get... And suddenly, black radio stations that never played hip-hop before... They were always R&B in the day, and they might play hip-hop at night. All of a sudden, during the daytime, they're playing Baby One More Chance. You know, like, it's, it, it changes overnight. And, That's and a sound I, that wouldn't normally that, have that been That Junior on there. Mafia album came out. Like, everything is changing, like, really rapidly, you know, during this time. And so 1995, Mariah does a song with Old Dirty Bastard. Uh, and we're going to get into the shenanigans that take place in both the recording and the music video. But uh, this was big. This was big because it showed how much... Not just R&B, but now pop is now going to basically be singing over hip-hop. Yeah. In ways that it hadn't been before. But let's start by building the song from the ground up. Now, Mariah herself picked this sample, Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club, and let's hear a little bit of it. Here's what Mariah said about her use of that sample. I was listening to the radio and heard Genius of Love, and I hadn't heard it in a long time. It reminded me of growing up and listening to the radio, and that feeling the song gave me seemed to go with the melody and basic idea that I had for fantasy. I initially told Dave about the idea, and we did it. We called up the Tom Tom Club, because, you know, they were, like, listed. Uh, and they were really into it. Uh, by the way, the Dave that she's referring to is her producer, Dave Hall, who worked on records with a lot of artists, including Mary J. Blige and Madonna. And here is how that Tom Tom sample, Tom Tom Club sample, sounds in the song. Sorry. I just laugh sometimes because there's so much going on there vocally. There's like 50 <laughs> different ideas, but it works somehow. Like there's... And then there's like maybe literally three different lines happening at once in a different way. It's It just yeah. made me laugh in that it's very It's very charged. <laughs> when you have like the... La, 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 la. The it's counterpoint. Just, it's all... All the different yeah. things. The, the top notes is doing something different from the from the main mm-hmm. note, and then they kind of come together at right. the end to kind of add this lush kind of cascade of different. Uh, uh, yes, but it reminds me of the Stevie Wonder what we talked about with the clavinets because like we did an episode about Stevie Wonder superstition, and when you isolate the clavinets, there's like four different ideas on eight different tracks, and they're all doing different things, mm-hmm. but they're finding different syncopated pockets and different notes. And that's why it works in the mix. And there's kind of a, an, an interesting parallel here, too, because each of those singers is singing a different note with a different rhythm, different lyric. Anyway, it's just, it's, and in the mix, it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, love, I just love the idea of Mariah Carey being in a car listening to the radio, hearing a song she likes. She's like, oh, that's cool. Let's, talk, let's call it the Tom Tom Club. Okay, right. <laughs> that's, that's called access. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Duran, you write a lot of songs. Luxury writes a lot of songs. I've written some songs. Uh, can you remember having a eureka moment like that when you heard something and it completely inspired you to write right then? Oh, when was the last time? You got to race home and just, or jot it in your phone or yeah, something I'm right always, away. I'll say I'm always jotting things in my phone. I'm <laughs> yeah. always having, you know, uh, my voice notes. You do, I was going to say, do you do the voice memos? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, so it's just, try, not to, with... try not to look crazy when you're walking down the street. Yeah. Please. Like, I'll just, I got, I got to get it out, even if I'm saying it quietly, just yeah. to, you know. Do you get melodies, lyrics, or both at once? Is it usually one, or is, is it does it change all the time? It, 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 can, it, it depends. Yeah. You know, it could be a one-liner that I said or that I heard, you know, in a way. Um, or it could be a melody that I have for something that I don't even have a home for yet. I just know I like the, the, the construct of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think one thing that's very uh, clear is that Fantasy by Mariah Carey, like, there are two popular versions of this song. And, and and until we just played that other one, I had totally forgotten that there was one other than the old dirty because I only really messed around with Well, we gotta talk about the backstory of how we even came to this episode because we were talking about Mariah and trying yeah. to choose what Mariah song should we do and fantasy came up pretty quickly. But when we were talking about it, like, I did not, I mean, I'm raising my hand. Like, I, first to admit, I did not know of the existence of the remix. Baby, baby, come on, baby, come on, baby, come on. When you walk by every night, talking sweet and looking fine, I get kind of hectic inside. That's crazy to me. I had never heard it. And Diallo, because we're, we're, it's not that he had never heard the original, but it's like we absolutely had two different worlds. We were but maybe from. I had roundly avoided it. <laughs> wow. But no, it's, yeah. it's it's crazy because to me, like this is one of those songs. It's like this is how we do it by Montel Jordan. Like again, maybe it's because as a DJ, I feel like it's been there. Does he have a remix to "This Is How We Do It" that we don't? <laughs> there, know there actually is. There actually is, but it didn't take off like the one that everybody. Okay, because I'm like, there's just a the lot one of information. That, the, one, the remix of "This Is How We Did It." Uh, how, the remix is called This Is How We Did It <laughs> takes place in the past it, it's okay. called If I Did It <laughs> I want to say it samples Zap and Roger like uh, dun, 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 bum, bum, bum. that's Cutie Pie oh is that Cutie Pie <laughs> ironic that it comes back to Cutie Pie every time you're the girl makes if, me feel so good dude I'm telling you this is how we do it bum, 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 bum. I'm pretty sure it samples Cutie Pie by Two Way um, and if it does, here's a snippet. This is how we do it. Ooh, South Central does it like nobody does. This is how we do it. To all my neighbors, you got much flavor. This is how we do it. By the way, that's one thing I love about 90s hip hop is that there was always a remix. And a lot of the times, the remix was a completely different song. Like, a completely it, different record. Was, Com- what, new vocals. Yep. New vocals. Oh, by the way, this might be the best place for me to bring this up. I want to talk about my favorite Old Dirty Bastard song of all time. It is the radio edit of Brooklyn Zoo. Because as opposed to nowadays when like you just drop out the curse words and even my kids are like, man, they're cursing a lot. Cause this is essentially like, you know, whole verses go away and stuff like that. Uh, in the early to probably mid nineties, there was a lot of just re-recording clean lyrics. Mm-hmm. So, okay. you know, one of the first, <laughs> one of the first where I really noticed that, oh, you know, sometimes the clean version is better is a uh, deep cover because Snoop, on the on the dirty version, it's like I got a gauge and Uzi and my and my motherfucking twenty two. But on the edit, he's like I got a gauge and Uzi and my nickel plated twenty two. And I was as a as a writer, I was like, ooh, nickel plated twenty two. Like it was more <laughs> there was more imagery that was forming oh, in my yeah. brain. But an improvement. Old, but old dirty bastard takes the cake. <laughs> he takes the cake when it comes to coming up with completely different lyrics. I'm gonna play you a snippet. And and really, if you get a second, just go on YouTube or wherever you can find Brooklyn Zoo Clean Edit. The whole song is like this. If you <laughs> if you play the 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 dirty version first and then the clean version, it's a completely different song. Some of the best ad libs in history. I'm just gonna play a snippet. Here it goes. Who couldn't figure yo but a new? Who couldn't figure yo but a new? Who couldn't figure how to pull a gun trigger? Get out of here! Oh God. Like, that is a sampling. There are so many sound effects. There are so many places where he just changes the lyrics. Like that one part, 
Um, I think he says like, without a fucking gun, trigger. You crazy, nigga. Instead of that, he goes, without pulling a gun, trigger. Get out of here. Like he screams, <laughs> get out of here. And I just feel like that's some stuff that you would never it's come unusual, up with. A better choice, frankly. It's a better, it's yeah. a better song. Yeah. It's a better song. It's like, I know one time, uh, probably around 2000, so the song was old, but it wasn't like old, old, old. Around 2000, the DJ put this version on, and everybody had a better time because we all knew the ad lib slash sound effects. Like it was just, you know, it was pandemonium. It was pandemonium. It was just like that extra little bit of creative. It was, flip. it was, it was Wiley Coyote <laughs> building shit in the song. Like he brought Looney Tunes. He brought the Acme. <laughs> he, yes, he brought the Acme box. box. Yes. <laughs> yes. I always say someone needs to move uh, Funkmaster Flex away from that bomb factory that they're building next to this place. We we love Funkmaster Flex on the show because uh, nobody can, you know, extend one play of one song over 23 20 minutes. minutes yeah. Over 23 minutes. Just starting it over and putting on uh, bomb And you stay tuned effects. the whole time. You just can't wait for it to actually get in there. So Diallo, break it down for me. What did this Bad Boy remix featuring ODB... What did this remix mean to hip hop? How did it change things? I mean, again, I, I you know, I was, I was, I feel like I was immersed in the scene, both as like a DJ and an active listener. I was buying all the mixtapes, and I do think that you know, this was one of the times where we realized hip hop wasn't just taking over R and B; it was taking over pop. And I feel like for the next ten to fifteen years, almost all hip hop, I mean, I'm sorry, almost all pop and definitely R and B. It was it was so heavily hip hop influenced that it was hard to figure out where hip hop ended and where R and B began or where wow. pop began. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. so, um, I remember especially like when everybody really started singing. Like you know, like when Drake started like to really do his thing. Like by two thousand nine, it was like, man, is is it hip hop if they don't rap one verse? You know, if it's just all singing. Like right, is does it even still- count as hip hop? Yeah, I mean, like the first time I noticed, like people were calling. You know, like. Some of the greats, I'm talking about Lauren Hill, Miss Education. You know, like there's a, there's some songs on there where she doesn't really, you know, rhyme a verse. Like she sings, you know, the entire song. So I feel like we had already been heading in that direction, but definitely for the next ten or fifteen years, like that's all that we were until pop sort of became uh, kind of where it currently lives. Um, which I always say, like right now, most pop singers, like the Dua Lipas, they're singing over what is essentially EDM music. Right, they're singing right. over like you know, if you if you took their vocals off and you it's put a, dance a track. few more techno flares yeah. in there, it would be a straight up dance track. But you know, for quite some time, at least from '95 until 2010, uh, you could make the argument that hip hop was, for lack of a better term, pop. All you know, hip hop had all the biggest artists. You know, right. from Ludacris to Ti, Missy Elliott. Um, we were definitely driving that culture for a long time. Um, and I do feel like, as many people have noticed, that has changed. You know, like now, you know, a lot of what is hip-hop, with the exception of, ironically, of the women. You know, I think that, you know, if you were to ask who are the big male hip-hop stars, like, they're not the household names the way that they were. You know, now it's it's mainly about, you know, the Cardis, the Megans, uh, you know, Saweetie, Ice Spice, but... There was a time when, uh, you know, hip hop was just was running things, and I feel like this was a point where hip hop and pop really merged in in a way that it, that, you know, now it almost seemed passe. Like you know, it, 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 no heads would turn if you know. I mean, Dua Lipa literally did a song with the baby, so I mean, like, and nobody cared. You know, right. they, they they judged it on the merits of the song, but like the time when like you could take a pop princess and put it with a hip hop person, that seems very passe. Uh, now, Duran, uh, what do you think about sort of hip hop's path from sort of, you know, underground New York, <laughs> early 90s uh, through the next 15 years? It would be nice if we can get back to having singers sing the hook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't want Masterpiece Cousins singing the hook? It's just, I mean, just it's, <laughs> as long as they can sing. Like, And when you brought up Lauren, when you were saying that sometimes she would just sing or she could sing the hook or she mm-hmm. could... Because she was an actual singer, yeah. So, it, it and and she complimented herself from both sides. Exactly. So a lot of times you just got the got the homies just slapping the 
the auto tune on there. And it's like, man, if you don't get a singer in here and do this hook, unless of course it's T Pain or the Who Dream. Who is a great singer? And I gotta say, I gotta say, I gotta say, because y'all gonna put some respect <laughs> on Teddy's name. <laughs> he, it's his arrangements, like like I said, him and the Dream. Mm-hmm. The they, Dream. They might not be strong vocalists. That's not what is always needed sometimes it's just the approach it's the ability to color the song in such a way you know and then how you're telling your story so the 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 uh, the, the rap singers of 2006 and 7 and 8 you you mentioned the dream you mentioned uh T-Pain, that was a really fun time. It was. I mean, I was a grown mm-hmm. up. Was. I was a grown man when those songs were coming out. But even I was like, ah, this teeny bop sort of like <laughs> this 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 hip hop like you know the, the the part of me that grew up with De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and um, you know Mob Deep and like you know I was I was very New York focused you know um, in the nineties. But even I just understood. I even I understood a catchy, infectious. Just quality song, you know what I mean? See, see, we had Bone Thugs and Harmony. <laughs> I was gonna ask you in the Midwest. So and and East ninety nine, East ninety nine, Saint Clair. I grew up on ninety third. Oh, so yeah, exactly. oh yes, no Cleveland proper. <laughs> and what's what's cool about just listening to Bone Thugs? Mm-hmm. Not only were they the hip hop temptation. <laughs> Perfectly but play. then when you listen to Destiny's Children, <laughs> they're the female Bone Thugs and Harmony. And oh, you got to quit cramming all them words in the Whoa. boy. No, you want me. I can see it in your eyes. But you keep on what you say. Like, you know, cater to you. I would have hated to sing that. background on that song. Like, so many words. Baby, I'm happy at home. Let me hold you in my arms. I just want to take the stress away from you. Making sure that I'm doing my part. Boy, is there something you need me to do? I don't but think anybody's pretty, ever connected I never thought about Beyonce that. and Kelly to Busy. I oh, yes. I don't think I've oh, yes. seen they, that before. They was, baby. <laughs> oh, yes. Bugaboo and and Bills, all that. And then listen to Bone Thugs. Mm. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's you heard it here first, it's, y'all. It's all interchanged. Like, Destiny's I love how, Child yeah. was basically the female Bone Thugs. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. On this show, we like to draw connections that people don't see. <laughs> that is a connection I have never thought about. Ever once. <laughs> Hey, One Song listeners, Luxury here. So Diallo and I had such a great time talking to Duran about Mariah, ODB, the connection between Bone Thugs and Harmony and Destiny's Child and all that cool stuff that there were a few things that I didn't quite get to when we recorded the show. So let's take a little detour from the conversation and make sure we cover some of the incredible connections, samples, and yes, interpolations that make this episode's One Song what it is. Okay, so there's a really cool chain of connections that Mariah Carey's fantasy ODB remix is a part of. So as I walk you through all of them, here's something to think about. Some of these are remixes, some of them are original, and where the line is between original and remix is not always super obvious musically, but financially it is very significant. So let's start with the original. This is Mariah Carey, Fantasy from 1995. The song relies very, very, very heavily on a two-bar looped sample of this. That's Genius of Love by the Tom Tom Club, Tina Weymouth and Chris Franz, a.k.a. the married couple rhythm section from Talking Heads. The music bed of fantasy is essentially just that sample plus a few additional synths that were added by producer or co-writer Dave Jam Hall. Like this Dr. Dre-like Moog melody. And maybe they figured, hey, look, we're already paying Tom Tom Club for that music sample. Why don't we just go ahead and use some of the vocals, too? So they added this interpolation. Fantasy fully credited and paid for the use of the Tom Tom Club song, so both Weymouth and Franz and their producer Stephen Stanley have songwriting credit on Fantasy. And by the way, Genius of Love is not exactly a deep cut. It's been sampled and interpolated left and right with over a hundred samples and interpolations, such as this. So that one's a replay, aka interpolation by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five, while this classic from Mark Morrison samples the beat with its iconic and instantly recognizable clap. (laughs) 
clap is so iconic, by the way. Chris Franz tells the story that Genius of Love came out and was a massive hit. It was the beginning of the fracturing of Talking Heads. And apparently David Byrne was having a hard time being happy for Chris and Tina's success with their side project. So one time they were out together and the song came on. It was a little bit of an awkward moan, apparently. And the only thing Byrne could muster to say kindly about it was, how'd you get that clap sound? Anyway, getting back to fantasy, the Bad Boy ODB remix by Puff Daddy and Bad Boy Hitmen member Nashim Myrick uses a different sample of that same Tom Tom Club song. And, of course, adds vocals from ODB. But neither Puff nor ODB get any writing credits. They were just paid a flat fee. In ODB's case, it was apparently something like $15,000 originally to rap on the track, but that became $30,000 when he was called back to add a few more cities for that intro. And he was paid $15,000 more to be in the video. So all told, ODB got $45,000 to participate in the ODB remix. But that's it. No publishing, no royalties. It's treated like a remix. Now hold on to that fact, because it's going to be important a little bit later. Meanwhile, there's actually another fantasy remix. There's actually a few, but I'm going to focus on this one, which is more of a traditional house music, four-on-the-floor type remix, and it's by David Morales, and it's called the Daydream Interlude Fantasy Sweet Dub Mix. And here it is. Now, what's unusual here is that Mariah completely re-recorded her vocals, Producer David Morales came up with a completely new melody, rhythm, chords, everything. There's really just a little lyrical fragment of the original version of Fantasy. Like, if you didn't really know that it was called Fantasy Remix, you wouldn't necessarily connect the two songs. And yet, the Tom Tom Club get full credits on this one as well, even though no part of Genius of Love is being sampled or interpolated. Furthermore, Morales, the producer, who essentially co-wrote a completely new song, didn't get any writing credit and presumably was just given a remix and or producer fee, as was standard at the time. Okay, so are you with me so far? We've got the Tom Tom Club sample source song, Genius of Love. Then we have the original Mariah Carey version of Fantasy. We've now got two Mariah Carey remixes, and Tom Tom Club are getting paid off of all of these. So let's leap a quarter century into the future. It's 2021 now, and we've got this. So what exactly is Lotto's 2021 song, Big Energy? Is it a remix? Is it a cover? Is it an original? Are those samples? Are they perhaps interpolations? Well, if you guessed the latter, you're right, because the Tom Tom Club song Genius of Love is not sampled, it's interpolated, it's a replay. However, they're already getting paid right there, because interpolations are going to get you writing credit. And to answer the question, it's a new song, it's not considered a cover or a remix, but we're not quite done. We've got one more link in this chain, and it's this. Mariah Carey herself hopped on the remix to Big Energy by Lotto, with her trademark whistle register, of course. This the remix. <laughs> and she essentially adds a reprise of much of the song Fantasy, stopping just short of singing Fantasy. So, what is this song? Is it a real remix? Is it a feature? Is it a shared cover? What's interesting is that technically this one, this remix, is called a remix, by the way, Big Energy Remix, is treated like an original song. Meaning, unlike the ODB remix, and unlike the David Morales remix, remember when neither they nor Puff nor anyone involved in the fantasy remixes got any kind of publishing or writing credit? In this case, Mariah and fantasy producer Dave Hall are actually included as writers on Lotto's remix. Not the original, not Big Energy, but the remix. I know, it's a lot to process. The reason why it's important is because Mariah obviously has a great deal of power, presumably far more than ODB had in 1995, and she was able to add herself as a writer on this remix, making it actually an original. <laughs> 
So if you've been paying attention this whole time, you can probably predict who else gets writing credit on this and everything else that you've just heard. That's right. It's the Tom Tom Club. <laughs> They're getting paid on all six of these links in the chain that we just went through, not to mention the hundred plus interpolations and samples. So good on them. Go Tina and Chris. Get that back. After the break, we'll be back with more on this song and we will talk about her collaborator on this song. I'm talking about Aeson Unique, Dirtiest Man Alive, Dirt McGirt, DJ Cooley Hot, Joe Bananas, <laughs> The Specialist, Dirt Dog, Osiris, Osiris, Dirty McDurster, Big Baby Jesus himself, <laughs> the old Dirty Doggy. I had to say it like that because that's how he says it on this song, <laughs> presumably for radio. He's just, to his friends, old dirty bastard. And we're going to talk about that. Russell. After the break. Well, he's Russell Jones to his mom, but <laughs> uh, he's ODB. And we'll be right back. Thanks to the U.S. Soy and the United Soybean Board for the sustainable makeover of our podcast studio and for sparking discussions on greener Hollywood production. Just like notes in a song, sustainable living is just a series of small, eco-friendly choices that contribute to the melody. Check out the Tears for Fears episode of One Song and see behind-the-scenes clips of how they pulled the whole look together. It's all on at Heartbeat Audio on YouTube, and the link is in our show notes. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music-filled trip to America's Jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to One Song. Now, I want to change things up a little bit. I want to tell a story. The story of how Old Dirty Bastard got on this track and how he worked on this track. Um, now, the recording of Fantasy. Like we said, record label wasn't happy with it. Tommy Matola, her husband at the time, not happy about it. But Mariah was like, I want to do this song specifically with my drunk uncle, uh, <laughs> Old Dirty Bastard. And... True to form, uh, they set up some record time, and old Dirty Bastard showed up three hours late and apparently had been drinking all day. Oh, uh, gosh. I was going to ask if he was inebriated for real. He was, he was, <laughs> he was not sober. Your instincts were right on this. <laughs> he showed up, and one of the first things he said was he needed Moet and Newports. And it was apparently, because he was three hours late, it's around midnight, you know, this is, I feel like in New York now you can find Moet and Newports at, at midnight, but maybe in 1995, that wasn't a thing. So they tell the interns, who I guess are all white, <laughs> to go get him Moet and Newports. It's like, we probably can't find that. He tells them that they are, he says, y'all some white devils, y'all don't want black people to have shit. <laughs> <laughs> so the white devils went to go get Moet and Newports. <laughs> They searched for an hour. They came back with Heineken's. He was irate. I gotta say, if I'm old dirty bastard, I'm kinda I kinda I'm kinda team old dirty bastard on that. Like Heineken is not Newport, you guys. <laughs> he apparently took the Newport, 
I mean, he took the uh, Heineken. <laughs> we'll, we'll never find out if they found the new points. He took the Heineken. He smashed it on the ground. He was like, all right, let's work. <laughs> <laughs> he records the famous line, me and Mariah go back like babies and, and pacifiers, which is just an amazing lyric for any song, but he accomplished that line. Should we hear, should we hear that line from the song? All right, here we go. Dirty. And that was it. He recorded that line and he's like, I need to sleep. (laughs) He lays down and goes to sleep apparently for a whole hour. Um, Everybody's just sitting around waiting him for, you know, to wake up and do some more. Old Dirty gets up. He records the next line. Old Dirty Dog, no liar. Keep your fantasy hot like fire. And then went back to sleep for another 45 minutes. At some point in the evening, he he tells the engineer, he's like, hey, I hope you got your shit set right because I ain't doing it twice. <laughs> I have a theory about that. I have a theory he wasn't actually talking to the engineer. I think that was his next verse. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you got your shit set right because I ain't doing it twice. It almost rhymes too much. I think he was, kept that. I think he was still Great rhyming. Line. They should have put it in. Some bars. He goes to sleep again. This time, apparently, he kicked off one shoe and the whole studio Ugh. smelled terrible. There was some other stuff that he might have done. I'm not going to go into it. You can find <laughs> the story online. I don't want y'all to tune out. But, like, it's it's a mess. And, by the way, the whole time, Tommy Matola and Mariah are calling every hour on the hour, asking, how's it going? Like, is it going well? Like, what are you recording? So, it took them all night to record that one verse. And if you listen to it, you hear that his voice feels very punched in. Like, it's not like one continuous take. Like, there's a reason why. Like, even some lines like, I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock. I don't sow the soul. Big letters all big. If you listen to that part in particular, like, the lyrics are, like, lapped over each other. Not for effect, but just because they just didn't line up. Just one idea at a time. Yeah, it was just one idea at a time. One and done. But you know when you write, me and Mariah go back like baby fast. You take like, a nap. You, you listen, take a nap. Listen, long nap. He might have known in his brain. You know what? This is good enough to be a part of hip hop history. Yeah. So he leaves the studio. They finally play the track for Mariah and Tommy Matola, and the story doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. They loved it from the first time they heard heard it. They knew they had a hit. So they said, "Hey, that was really good." Um, can you get Old Dirty Bastard to come back and add more cities? We like when he said New York is in the house. Um, <laughs> the engineers are like, no, I don't know if you know this, but like he's going to charge us the same amount, all over, like $15,000, which is a lot of money back in 1995, but maybe not that much for a Mariah Carey uh, song. But they're like, no, 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 we need more cities. We need more towns. Like We love that part. So... He gets another fifteen grand to come back. Mm. Shout out to Corey Summers, by the way, the guy who who told this story because mm. uh, he was there that night. Um, he came back and he added more cities. That's when he adds Japan because if it sounds like he's just making, it, he's just throwing out places. Sacramento in the house, Atlanta, Georgia, are you in the house? West Coast, are you in the house? Japan, are you in the house? Everybody, are you in the house? Well, there's a reason for that because, you know, he's just in the studio. And by the way, this, when he came back to record those uh, other places, he was apparently like hungover and tired. So he didn't fall asleep a bunch of times, but you're working with an even more grumpy old dirty bastard. So th- I, th- that to me is part of the genius of old dirty. Like, you know, you hear about Hank Williams, you know, when you hear about country, you hear about, oh, they had to give, uh, Keith Richards, a whole new set of blood because his blood was so tainted. Like, they had to, like, these are stories told about other people, but I feel like we don't know all the stories about our, our, our friends in, in hip hop in the same way. And to me, this story is like, I don't know if I want to be there that night, but I'm happy that it happened. That I'm happy part. that a man could be so free as to insult the interns, <laughs> smash a bottle of beer on the gl- make people wait while he sleeps, subject them to <laughs> smells, and then take all night to record one of the shortest verses, I think, on a feature that you're ever going to come across. But you know what? It worked for him. It worked for Old Dirty. I mean, like, I don't know. Is there a part of you as an artist who I'm not... 
you seem like a very good individual. But is there a part of you that secretly likes to like, like would love to be just unhinged, just unhinged for once? I am, I am unhinged, <laughs> but I'm not unhinged in a way, at least to my experience mm-hmm. from myself, because yes. I have to live with myself, but also <laughs> the people around me, you know, that yeah. are not yes men. Yeah. Um, I can be unhinged with my transparency <laughs> and my honesty. Yes. But it's never to like truly hurt somebody's feelings. No. Like I'm a joke like I'm a jokester. You know, <laughs> it, it, I can if I can find some areas where we we, we can we can joke mm-hmm. and 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 throw a little read in there like that's that's cute. <laughs> but you're not hurting you know? anybody. This no. Is, this is no, all playful. No. no, and I think that listen, uh, the people here at One Saw, we do not promote bullies, so to speak. <laughs> but <laughs> every now and then it's just something fun. It's, I think I enjoy it. This, I think because honestly, this is getting really real. I think because I am just generally such a polite person mm-hmm. that the same way like British humor is always based on people being loud and, and saying things obnoxious that they would never say because they're also British. But I feel like sort of the same way, like it's fun for me to hear these stories about old dirty bastard and Rick James just being unhinged, like not oh, Rick caring James. at all. Maybe you know Rick, what I mean? Rick James was a whole nother level of unhinged. <laughs> oh, and James Brown was another one, especially with how they fire people. I read not I have you ever uh you know now Rogers. Uh, yes, I know who now Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like I, I read his book, Le Freak, and that changed my, I mean, like, he's not by any means a bully, but, like, some of the things that he, he did to himself, you know, like, the story in Miami waiting on Madonna, but he's got a shotgun in the closet, like, there's a part of me that's like, this is just a good story. This is just a compelling protagonist, and there's a part of me that, that loves it. I mean, old dirty bastard, I mean, like, I, you know. I never, I never truly met the man, but there's a part of me that's really excited. About Have you ever story. worked with? You never worked with Old Dirty Bastard. I came within inches. Okay, within work, inches. So physically, <laughs> inches might be a strong term. So I was, uh, uh, I went to Harvard. I was on the student council, and uh, we we had some money. We had some money to bring through an ad. And that was, you know, in the nineties. And I was like, I want to bring Wu Tang clan and have them perform on Harvard yard. And somehow I won that fight and we got all the funds secured. And then the day of the event happened and I've got the yard full of people and, and, and and timing matters here because when I booked Wu-Tang, they were still underground hip hop group. But, in the months that followed between the booking and the show, like, you know, Method Man the blew up as a single, you know, like things started to happen. Like, you know, Protect Your Neck, you know, was re-released, I want to say. Wu-Tang Clan ain't nothing to fuck with blew up. Like, by the time the show came, I had like a whole bunch of Harvard students and half of Boston on the yard waiting for these guys. And then I got a phone call <laughs> about noon saying, Hey, uh, old dirty bastard got locked up, so we're not we're not coming, we're not coming. He was like, I might be able to send you like I don't know which way. It was like inspect the deck. It was like you might get one member of the woo, and I was like, that's not gonna work, fellas. I really, I was like, I got people here. They bought tickets. Like we need the woo, and the guy hung up on me, and I couldn't get him back. And I had to go in front of these people and say, okay, so uh, you know. Thanks for coming out. Um, we're going to get you guys some refunds because Wu-Tang is not you know, going to be able to make it. But uh, we do have a local Harvard band named Spatula that's going <laughs> to sing some oh, songs boy. for you. And we've got the comedic <laughs> stylings of... I forget the guy's name. I don't want to mess it up. I'll say somebody who it was. It was not Matt Bacall, but it was like a Harvard student who told us he knew stand-up. I shouldn't say it's Matt Bacall because that's putting this on him. That's a real person. It was a Harvard student who said he was going to do some stand-up and I kid you not, he got up there and did a Jerry Seinfeld routine. Oh did a Jerry Seinfeld. Literally? Like, and people were like, wait, he's doing the, the plane? Yours. He's doing the airplane food he thing? And then Spatula got up there and sang and people are leaving. People are angry. We're giving him refunds. I'll never forget this dude came up to me. Black dude. He was like, hey, yo, um, I'm friends with Ed O.G. and the Bulldogs. I can get them up here in about an hour. And I was like, I don't I don't think, no disrespect. By the way, shout out to Ed OG and the Bulldogs. Be a father to your child. Great song. It was not going to, it was not going to satisfy these, but it was still going to be a, you know, so our money had to go elsewhere that year. But yeah, because of old dirty bastards, legal concerns, which are legend. Uh, we were never able to, 
make that Tragic. show happen. Sorry, I'm we sorry for that misopportunity. No, that, that, but you know, I did finally see Old Dirty Bastard perform one time. I saw him perform in Atlanta at a place that's no long, been long gone. Uh, it was over by CNN Center uh, called the World Club. And I, I mean, it's to this day, possibly the greatest terrible performance I've ever seen. Um, Old Dirty Bastard got up there. He did like two or three songs. He forgot so many lyrics like he kept telling the dj i cut this off man i cut this off like he'd start raw high you know and then all of a sudden he'd be like no i don't want to sing this song i don't want to sing this song <laughs> the crowd the crowd turned on him after about he did doing this like three or four times like straight up started like booing and stuff Damn. <laughs> so he reached in his pocket and he pulls out what i believe was a starter gun but you're in a hip-hop club it just looks like a oh, gun yeah. And he fired it up into the air, like discharged it, and everybody ducked. And then yeah. he struck, I kid you not, the John Travolta pose from <laughs> uh, <laughs> from Saturday Night, Night Fever. Saturday Night Fever. Oh, God. Well, everybody is still stunned that he just fired this gun in the club. And then he casually walked to the edge of the stage. He said, move. People parted like the sea. He jumped down off the stage and walked out through the back of the club, like walked out through the regular person's entrance slash exit, and that was it. That was old dirty bastard. Exit nineteen. I think it was actually nineteen ninety five. Wow, amazing! Just walked out through the exit like nothing had happened. To this day, I was like, even within like ten minutes of it happening, I was like, you know what? If you come to see an old dirty bastard show. What he just did is actually better than him somehow, like, performing all his great songs. Like, it's like, no, it's an evening with Old Dirty Bastard. <laughs> he's going to forget some lyrics. He's going to fire a gun. And he's going to walk through the crowd and exit the theater. It was get. insane. Mm. I don't know if that mm. was uh, why we lost the World Club. It was a great club in Atlanta. Before we had MJQ and Club I Kaya. love MJQ. Listen, Atlanta's got some great... Great clubs. I wish uh, somebody somebody put that together. Put together a book where we can see all the great Atlanta clubs. But yeah, shout out mm-hmm. to MJQ, Club Kaya, yeah. and all those places that we used to go to. Um, I mean, I love, to me, I just, I, I love Old Dirty Bastard. I, I think he was one of the most innovative rappers of all time. We're talking today about fantasy with Mariah Carey, but like, we're talking about the same guy who did Got Your Money. You know what I'm saying? Shimmy, shimmy, ya. Shimmy, shimmy, ya. Shimmy, shimmy, ya. Shimmy, shimmy, ya. Give me the mic so I can take her away. Off on the natural charge bomb for yard. Yeah, from the home of the Dodger Brooklyn squad. You know, nowadays we look at old dirty and we think, man, maybe, maybe, maybe we needed to be better friends. Maybe we needed to help this man. But right. what, what do you think about that? I mean, like, what do you think about old dirty's, you know, what made him great and, you know, what's his legacy in hip hop? I think in my mind, his 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 legacy just being a human being is is how many different dynamics there are mm. these different nuances um to how our brains process things uh the psychology behind um things that we've experienced and how we cope with it um i think that's right i think that's right yeah and also just not having maybe not having access to you know therapy during that time this is this is not at a a time where (laughs) black people are unpacking things let's unpack that that's so true you know it's this it's the role of like you know where was hip-hop on mental illness why i think that we were definitely weren't talking about it back then you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like the idea of a therapist you know yeah we were still we were still a little bit away from that yeah totally i mean and you know again i think to a certain extent you know I just love a good story. I mean, the idea that this guy was a fugitive, but he was still showing up at concerts. You know, when they dropped the W in 2000, he was already on the run from, he had like literally run out of rehab. Like he was at a rehab in Pasadena, California. And they said, we got to take it down to the, to the court. And dude just said, I'm not doing that and ran away. And, like, they said, well, we don't have, you know, this is not a rehab where we, you know, restrain anybody. Like, he just literally ran away. And so for the next couple of months, he was showing up at concerts, showing up at record release albums. He doesn't get caught until he's in <laughs> Philadelphia signing autographs at a McDonald's drive through And they said that the crowd got so big with people coming up to get signatures 
from ODB that the cops didn't know who was over there causing a commotion. They just went over there because they were like, who are all these people hanging out at McDonald's drive-thru when they figured out that he had bench warrants? That was when they took him back in. But I mean, like, <laughs> to me, this is this is who old Dirty Bastard was. Like, just who he was. And his cousin, the RZA, said... My cousin was a genius. He was like, Old Dirty Bastard was a genius. Mm. And to a certain extent, I feel that way. I feel like he was untethered by social norms. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm not, obviously, he did some things that, you know, are not excusable or funny. But, you know, just from an artistic point of view, there's a part of me that respects that sort of wild man that he was. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention one more thing about Old Dirty Bastard being on this cut. You know, Mariah, this is the first time Mariah really links up with, like, you know, just the most underground sort of, like, to use my mom's name, roughneck uh, rapper (laughs) (laughs) that she had worked at. I mean, like, she goes on to work with Jay-Z. Okay. Look. Alright, yeah. She wanna shop with Jay, play box with Jay. She wanna pillow fight in the middle of the night. She wanna drive my bands with Bone Thugs and Gucci. Like she works with everybody, but this was the first time we were like, wait, she's working with him. Keeping it real, son. That's right. The shining star. My shining star, girl. <laughs> so where do we land after all this on Mariah Carey? Like, do we, you know, what what do you as a performer? you know, take away from this artist and this, this time. I think she's a, an artist to definitely study, Mm. um, from the, from the ways in which she has honed her skills. Uh, and not only the singing in the writing as well. And also take a listen to Luther (laughs) to see where those, uh, where those worlds meet, because there are also other ways in which artists, like I said, influence and inspire each other. I love how you are, you know, not afraid to champion yourself. I, I actually truly appreciate that because I think sometimes, you know, we, we want credit for being like, you know, humble and not sort of putting our names to the conversation on stuff. But quite frankly, there is so much music. There's so much TV. There's so much culture out there that sometimes if you're not actively out pushing yourself like it's, it's really easy to get lost in the mix absolutely um that being said who are you know they don't have to be they could be current they could be in the past who are like the three artists that you know you feel i'm not even gonna say inspire you but you know make you like oh yeah you know like this is this is why i'm an artist i i, I want to make something that makes someone feel the way i feel when i listen to blank Okay, I can actually just give you my um, Mount Rushmore. Yeah, Rushmore. And um, it's of ladies, gentlemen, mm. and then we have the personality and the foundation <laughs> of which yeah, yeah, yeah. that those things mm-hmm. sit on. So on the lady side, we have Badu, Phyllis Hyman, Lisa Fisher, and Sarah Vaughn. And of course, I got to give an honorable mention to Jill Scott and Layla Hathaway. Beautiful. Then over here on the gentleman's side, we have uh, B. Slade, formerly known as the gospel singer Tone. We have Rick James. We have Nate Dogg. <laughs> and we have Luther. <laughs> Luther. And then, of course, as an honorable mention over there, we have Philip Bailey of Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah. And we have Crash Cut. Levon Bennett. If you don't know who that is, just go ahead and look him up. All right. That's oh, yes. you It'll make sense. Okay. okay. And then the personality side down here that 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 those two things sit on, we have uh, Little Richard, Bugs Bunny, <laughs> Babs Bunny. We have Jim Carrey, specifically from Liar Liar, Ace Ventura, and The Mask. Mm. <laughs> My parents took me to go see The Mask at the movie theater. And who's, like, who's Babs Bunny? Babs, Babs is, Bunny. Okay, so I, okay, so that's from uh, that's from Tiny Toons. Yeah, and so you got Buster and Babs Bunny. Those are the, like the the grandchildren, like of just the the new bunnies that are coming up. And Babs is me, and I am Babs. Don't you give me those lies, Buster Bunny? If you think you're gonna charm your way out of she's just one of those folks where it's like she like for instance, there was uh, an episode where. Um, a skit where she was sitting in the audience of a game show and they called her name. <laughs> and so they said, and coming to the stage, Babs Bunny. And she goes, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> and she looks at the camera and says, 
I'm excited. <laughs> like, that yes. Tiny Toons oh. quietly yes. turned on a lot of artists. I, I will never forget my favorite episode of the show. It was basically, they were lost on the Warner Brothers lot, but it was, it was essentially a parody of Apocalypse Now. Okay. Like, because they couldn't find, I forget who was lost, but like, I just remember at the time I had just seen Apocalypse Now and I was watching this episode of Tiny Toon and the fact that they knew about Apocalypse Now, I was like, whoa, these yeah. people are like on some some different cartoon stuff. Yeah. Loved Babs. Yeah, not Babs. Babs was uh, great. And then, of course, we step into this world. Mm. Um, Ricky Smiley, <laughs> Dave Chappelle, yeah. uh, Arnesh J, Monique. Of course. Uh, Stephen Wright. Bo Burnham, Jamie Foxx. There you go. Like these are. I'm also inspired by comedians. I was going to well say as, you have almost as many, if not more, comedy. Yeah, icons, right? yeah, yeah. So it's I grew I grew up on that. You know, it's funny. There's actually some overlap in your list because uh, when I was talking to Neil Brennan, he said I knew Dave Chappelle was great because he seemed like Malcolm X and Bugs Bunny had a child. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I absolutely see that That's the perfect. whole way yeah. through. Before. We let you go. Mm-hmm. I am dying to know, as as somebody who, you know, is part of the absolute next wave of artists. Um, what do you think about, you know, where hip hop and R and B are right now? You know, in this year right now, and and let me give it some context because uh, I feel like I've never been in a position where I was bored isn't the term, but just like I don't hear a whole lot that like I'm really excited about. Uh, especially right now in hip hop, just being honest, and and I feel like to a certain extent the numbers are bearing it out. There's something like hip hop; its sales are down forty percent. You see different numbers everywhere, but I feel like R and B is actually where the excitement is right now. And every time I look up, I feel like there are artists who they may not be. I mean, well, in some cases, I feel like the Scissors and the, and the Summer Walkers, and the, you know, they're blowing up all the time. But I feel like. You're part of a group, and I think it started with the internet. If I'm, if I mean, that was that was the first group where I was like, oh, there is an underground, there is an alternative to what I'm hearing on the radio and what's sort of being forced upon me. Like, I feel like you're a part of that, and I, I kind of want you to see. Do you feel like you're a part of that? Are you just an artist who's going doing his own thing, not worried about what everybody else is doing, or do you feel like you're part of a of of a generation that is doing exciting new music? So. First and foremost, I'd like to say I sang background on Girl by the Internet. I was doing that the f- like my first month or so of me moving to L.A. Mm. So that was dope. Uh, so shout out to my to my homies. And I feel like their legacy only increases every year that we go on because people go on and do other stuff. Like, yeah, nah. Sid and Pat were doing production and writing on Renaissance, and just I'm just really I'm just. I don't su- think I knew that. That's that's. Super, yeah, and yeah. I'm I'm super super proud of them. Like you know just and um and they're able to just do their their own thing. Mm. You know, um, as far as I'm concerned, I. I'm in an interesting space, I feel, because I'm a current artist, but a lot of my influence comes from the 70s and 80s. And, you know, there's a little bit more now that's that's bleeding into the performance aspect of it. And that's rock, you know, which I love. You know, I love yeah. Lenny Kravitz. More, more, I, love... more, I feel more and more black people are getting into it. We created it. (laughs) Of course. But then we moved on as we sometimes do. We just, we go in this direction, but then at some point we're like, hey, we created that. We're so, we're, that's why I, I, I'm doing a a departure from a current sound. Um, Still gradually incorporating like live drums and, you know, seeing how this, this feels singing this, this way or singing over this type of, you know, like touching on that with the last project, but no, it's, it's, it's something that needs to be done. I totally agree. And I think, look, we talked about Mariah doing sort of pop R and B and then becoming, you know, one of the people who was merging it with hip hop where R and B goes Next, none of us can say for sure, but I can say that 
this group of people here feel like you absolutely are part of that future. And we want to thank you for coming through today. So absolutely. thank you so much, Duran. Um, Where can we find you on the internet? You've yes. got one of those. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you can find me on the TikToks and the Instagrams and the Twitters. Listen, your mama call, your, your mama named you Twitter, and that's what I'm going to call you. <laughs> so um, yeah, if you yes. say X, what's nobody the, what's knows. What's the handle? Yep, Duran Bernard. D U R A N D B E R N A R R. Uh, Luxury, <laughs> help me in this thing. All right. Well, I'm producer, DJ, and songwriter, Luxury. That's L-U-X-X-U-R-Y on the internet. And I'm actor, writer, director, and sometimes old, dirty DJ, Diallo Riddle. You can find me at Diallo, D-I-A-L-L-O, on Instagram, or Diallo Riddle on TikTok. And this is One Song. We will see you next time. Yay! This episode was produced by Matthew Nelson with engineering from Marcus Hom. Additional production support from Charles Childers, Alicia Shimada, and Jordan Colling. This show is executive produced by Kevin Hart, Mike Stein, Brian Smiley, Eric Eddings, Leslie Guam, and Eric Weil. Did you know that Mike Myers was accused of stealing one of his characters in Austin Powers? Or that Gina Davis chose Brad Pitt over George Clooney in Thelma and Louise? Or that Tom Cruise had a clause in his contract that he wouldn't go topless in Top Gun? If you're curious to hear more film facts, you should be listening to our podcast, Unspooled, where on any given episode, you're going to learn something fascinating about a film you thought you knew. I'm Paul Shear. You might know me from my podcast, How Did This Get Made, The League, Black Monday, or Fresh Off the Boat. I'm Amy Nicholson. I'm a film critic who writes for The New York Times. And on Unspooled, we unspool famous films to see if they are truly all-time classics. Or just remembered that way. Listen to Unspooled, new episodes every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Myrtle Beach is the beach. 60 miles of bright sand, water, and a wealth of wonderful music playing day and night. You can step into a simple beach bar and discover a surprising level of exciting musical talent. A place to kick back and groove to the enticing soundtrack of the most unexpected vacations around. With nothing but good vibes floating through the warm ocean air. Plan your own music field trip to America's jukebox at visitmyrtlebeach.com.